0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host Shannon Jones and I'm joined via Skype by Todd Campbell. And hey, on today's special bonus episode of Industry Focus Healthcare, we're talking about the one stock that's been on everyone's mind this past week. That's right, we are digging into Tilray. We'll cover what's happening, why, and the all-important question is now the time to buy. I should note we were actually planning to tape this segment on Wednesday, but due to our power outage here at full HQ and in the area, we actually had to wait to bring you the topic and we've gotten so many questions and comments on this and and really rightfully. So, it's been uh, quite outrageous here the past week, but right now I just want to point out we're taping this on Friday. At 2:30 p.m., and I call this out because this stock has literally been so up and down, and on this roller coaster ride that by the time the show airs on Saturday morning, there's really no telling what could happen. Uh, so I want to point that out. But one thing is for sure, Todd, this stock is definitely not for the faint of heart.
1: And yeah, it gives us an opportunity to do a double dose of healthcare this week for our <laughs> listeners, um, and and hopefully share some. Some uh some education, some thoughts, and explain what's going on with Tilray and maybe the broader marijuana market as well. You know, it wouldn't shock me at all, Shannon, if a lot of people were, you know, punching up on their on their Google the SEC rules on limit up-down mechanisms <laughs> with the trading halts on Thursday, right? We saw that stock just absolutely almost double in trading on Thursday before. Uh, falling to a loss at one point, and then recovering to finish up 38%. And I think, Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong, this stock now is up, I want to say, more than 100% since its IPO on the NASDAQ in July. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, this stock
0: has been on an absolute tear since its IPO. And two, let's actually back up. So, I just want to make sure listeners that maybe haven't had a chance to keep track of the stock, particularly this week, uh, really kind of understand what Tilray is and what they do. So, Todd, can you give us a quick overview, explainer on exactly what Tilray is?
1: Great. And it may help. Too, Shannon, for our listeners maybe who aren't familiar with the marijuana story and want a little bit of a primer just to kind of explain a little bit of the broader market and how we got to where we are today. So I guess I'll start there if, uh, if that's okay. Please do. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that most people probably recognize the fact that marijuana has been a prohibited and controlled drug in the United States since the 1930s. And But one of the things that we've seen over the course of the last, we'll call it a decade or so, is a growing momentum to basically bring the marijuana market out of the shadows because there's a huge black market market for um, marijuana, to bring that out of the shadows by creating these legal marijuana markets. And in the United States, that's had to happen on a state-by-state basis because it's still a Schedule One controlled substance at the federal level. So it's, it's still... Um, a restricted drug federally. But individual states, Colorado, um, Washington, Alaska, and a few others who have been at the forefront of this, um, have gone ahead and, and passed laws that, that allow the sale of production, cultivation, and distribution uh, within their individual borders um, for both medical use and in, in nine states' cases for recreational use. That has got the attention of a lot of investors because this momentum and this growing approval and legalization in these various states have people thinking that, well, maybe at one point the U.S. market will treat marijuana a lot like it treats tobacco and alcohol. So basically controlled, regulated markets that are taxed. Um, We're already seeing that dynamic play out in Canada which has had an up-and-running na- nationwide medical marijuana market since 2014, and next month will open up the, its adult-use recreational market, which theoretically will, will, uh, will cause the addressable market or target market for these marijuana companies to go much higher. So you've got a company, Tilray, that is one of a hundred or so companies that are licensed to cultivate, grow, package, distribute, sell marijuana in Canada, uh, and they launched on the their IPO. They were the first company to actually do an offering uh, in in the U.S. Um, from the get go, uh, rather than doing an uplisting. Uh, and they did that in July, and they issued about 17 million shares, which isn't a lot of shares. And I'm sure we'll explain short squeezes in a minute, but you know that's that's kind of where we're going from. So this company produces uh, marijuana both in the dried flower format and in um, finished products such as cannabis oils. And because of the potential for its sales to go markedly higher when the recreational marketplace opens up, um, a lot of people have wanted to own shares in this stock. And that's one of the reasons that we've seen such a massive run-up in its share price since July. Exactly.
0: So, yeah, the stock has been on an absolute tear. And it's worth noting, too, um, Tilray is actually backed by legendary investor uh, Peter Thiel's private equity fund, Privateer Holdings, which specializes in the marijuana industry. So, they've been investing heavily in this space. And they right now hold about a 76% stake in Tilray. And just to give some perspective, uh, as of right now, that stake is worth about $9 billion since it went public back in July. And so really, I mean, this stock has just exploded, has been up and down over the past few weeks. I think it's safe to say, Todd, this stock isn't necessarily trading on
1: fundamentals. Am I right? <laughs> I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Okay, so the medical marijuana market, which is what they sell into currently, is relatively small. I think that next year, Deloitte thinks that the medical marijuana marketplace in Canada is going to be worth something like $770 million. And the major players in Canada right now, they measure their sales in the single-digit millions per quarter to the low double-digit millions per quarter. These these are not big companies. In the case of Tilray, they're... Sales last quarter were only about 9.8 million. So you're talking about a company that's doing what 38, 39 million in annualized sales. That at one point this past week got up to a 20 billion dollar market cap. So if you (laughs) if you do the math on that, back in the math, you're talking about a a stock that was being valued at something like five or six hundred times its annualized revenue. I think that the reason that you saw such a big spike and so much crazy in this past, past week wasn't just because of all the optimism and enthusiasm for, for what could happen when the recreational market opens up. But it's actually been kind of a twofer. You had a situation here in the United States where a lot of investors, institutional investors and everything, wanted to own marijuana stocks. However, they're not allowed, because of their, their prospectus, their mandates, whatever, to buy over-the-counter stocks. So, they've kind of been, had been forced to the sidelines, despite that interest. So, when you got Tilray and, and you had Canopy Growth, which is a larger player list, uh, up list on the New York structure, when they did that this year, uh, you finally were able to unleash kind of a turn of demand from the institutional side. At the same time that they were buying up from all this pent-up demand, you had a lot of short sellers out there who were looking at this, saying, should we really have a 10 billion market cap company with 40 million dollars in sales, so they continually increase their position short? And I think that as of the last reading that was released, I think comes out every two weeks, um, there were three and a half million of the 17 million shares available to trade that were held short. So you know, once we had news break this past week that. I get so many pieces to this component of to the story to unpack, right, Shannon? Uh, when we had no, no news break earlier this week that maybe Coca-Cola was knocking on some doors and of Canadian uh, marijuana companies to try and figure out a collaboration to create cannabis-infused beverages, that excitement basically sparked just a, a tremendous amount of demand for the stock that was still out there to trade, and in turn forced a lot of the short sellers to have to cover their positions, creating. The uh, the short squeeze that we saw on Thursday that sent shares up almost 100 percent to a, a peak of about 300 at their intraday high.
0: Yeah, and it's not to say that that it's all been uh, for naught. I mean, one of the other stories that came out this week was in reference to the DEA, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, um, that signed off on Tilray's plans to import um, from Canada into the U.S. to test the effectiveness of their product in what's known as Essential Tremor. Uh, Todd, what can you tell us about kind of the read-throughs of that, not just from a regulatory perspective, but really what that means for the industry, too?
1: One of the arguments that the Bulls lay out for owning Tilray's stock is that it's not focused on uh, the 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 commodity part of the business, so it's not just interested in say growing the 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 cannabis and then selling the dried flower. It wants to create finished products, and specifically, it's interested in finished products for medicinal use. And I think anybody who's been paying attention to healthcare over the last year recognizes that um, drugs that are used for medical use tend to have high prices. <laughs> and generate some pretty nice profit margins. Um, they also enjoy some patent protection. So the concept of being able to fund studies, and and with the study that you just mentioned at San, uh, UC San Diego um, in Essential Tremor, to help fund studies that theoretically one day could result in um, patented FDA approvals that generate out significant amounts of money, well, you know, yeah, that's a pretty... Pretty exciting from that standpoint. Um, it also may suggest the DEA is loosening up a little bit on its willingness to allow other providers, other than the federally funded um, project in Mississippi at the University of Mississippi, to, to supply marijuana for research purposes. And you know that could allow you know uh, another provide another source of revenue, albeit I think it'll be relatively small. Um, the big opportunity, obviously, being no Canada recreational some international opportunities, which I'm sure we can talk about in a minute, um, and then the potential longer term to address essential tremor and other indications. Um, insomnia is something that some people are looking at. Um, I think Canopy Growth is conducting a trial there. Um, epilepsy, it's well known that marijuana um, you know, has a benefit in helping to treat that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've definitely got some some growth potential there moving forward, and I think that really, um, at least for me, watching this industry mature because really it's still in very early innings. Uh, for me, the more interesting aspect to watch is really what happens on the medical side of things, and really where you start to see those opportunities begin to explode, whether it be epilepsy um, and just really just different neurological anti-anxiety, any sort of indications like that. Um, I think looking forward, though, so we've talked about kind of what's been happening leading up to this point with the stock. But I think when you look out to January, and you briefly mentioned it, Todd, but looking out to January, you've got a pretty important thing happening, and that is the lockup period, the expiration. Can you tell investors, A, what that is, and then B, too, what to expect when that happens?
1: Right, So to, to, to prevent market manipulation, et etc., um, there's restrictions on insiders selling shares. You have to wait a certain period of time after the IPO to be able to go out and sell some of your shares and take some profit off the table from you know, um, the shares that you happen to own. This is for insiders. You mentioned that privateer holdings. Uh, was the company that backed Tilray? Uh, you also mentioned that they remain a majority shareholder. They control, like you said, about eighty percent of the equity in the company. They also control about ninety-three percent of the voting power in the company. I think that in January, the thing that investors have to be aware of is that a lot of these insiders who've been given given stocks, and you know, if you look at the Tilray's. Um, S1 filing from early this year with the SEC or the 10Q uh, from the second quarter, the, the amount that they're paying out in compensation expense, so basically stock to their employees, is, is huge. I mean, they had $9.7 million in US sales uh, last quarter, and I want to say that their equity compensation costs were about $5.4 million. So there's a lot of shares, theoretically, that in January could become available to trade by um, insiders. And as that supply comes out of the market, it could drive down the, drive down the, the stock. So I think investors want to be aware of that um, we'll call that a I guess a, a medium term event happening at the early part of next year. I think there's also you know f- to lay out kind of the come kind of the bar- bearish argument there's been a lot of concern that you know Tilray really doesn't deserve this kind of a market cap. Based on the fact that it's so much smaller than some of its peers. Yes, it was one of the first companies to win a license to um, sell marijuana in Canada for for medical marijuana, but it certainly wasn't the only one. And now there are about a hundred different companies that have that license. Um, and you know, with its sales last quarter being 9.8 million, that's certainly not the biggest one that's out there right now. Canopy Growth had sales of about. Uh, well, on a on a U.S. dollar adjusted basis, about 20 million last quarter, so more than two times bigger. And Aurora Cannabis, which is another major player, its sales um, are tracking, I think, around 16 million U.S. Um, uh, per quarter. So it's certainly not the biggest player out there. And then when you look at production capacity at all these companies, um, Tilray kind of comes up shy there as well. You know, you've got. Aurora with 570,000 kilograms worth of capacity, production capacity. You've got Canopy with uh, over 500,000. Uh, kilograms of production capacity. and Then you look at Tilray, and Tilray is saying, well, at the end of this year we'll have about 76,000, and next year maybe we'll have 142,000. So, even with a doubling of production capacity next year, there's still going to be less than a third of the production capacity of its larger competitors. And you know What that leads me to wonder is just how much of this market share are they going to be able to secure in the recreational market? Will Canopy's size and uh, Aurora's size advantage um, allow them to really be the big winners. And then the other part of that is that, yes, uh, Tilray does get a lot of its revenue from you know high-margin finished products. Oils represent about 45% of its revenue. Um, but those are from the medical side, and a lot of people wonder whether or not the recreational marketplace opening will actually reduce demand for medical. And if Canopy and Aurora, which are much larger and are also focused on oils, uh, increasingly so, uh, continue to cut into Tilray's turf, then you know what's that going to mean for its sales growth relative to Canopy, Aurora, and some of the other players that investors can invest in? So, maybe that market cap is not uh, justified relative to, I guess, other players in the industry.
0: Yeah, very, very well said, there, Todd. So I think to get to the number one question that everyone is asking us, whether it's on social media or email, is now the time to buy Tilray.
1: What say you, Todd Campbell? Uh, I would not buy it yet. Um, I think it's a real business. Let's let's get that let's get that out there. I think that's just a huge market opportunity here in marijuana. And it's not just necessarily, again, we're not just talking about the dried flower. We're talking about for finished goods, walking into uh, retail stores and being able to buy edibles and beverages um, and other finished products like oils and and things for medical use. Tilray was on CNBC this past week, and that was another reason why the stock surged. Um, And during that conversation, Tilray's CEO uh, Brendan Kennedy, he said that, you know, he speculated, he speculated, he speculated that the the marijuana market for medicinal use could be a $100 billion market someday. He also said, Shannon, that there could be multiple $100 billion marijuana companies in the future. Now, don't get me wrong, that could happen, but we're talking a long time from now so yes there's a real business that Tilray um, is running here and there's a real big market opportunity for disruption bringing all of this um, black market sales into these legal recreational markets uh, globally but you know it is long it's a long it's a long-term story I mean I certainly wouldn't be going out and using margin right to buy <laughs> to buy shares right please you do really not. have to take <laughs> Right. You know, I mean, there's just so much that can happen to these stocks in the short term. I remember a few years ago just talking about uh, 3D printing stocks. Real business, real story there, long term transformative, disruptive technology. Yet many investors lost a lot of money by getting too aggressive and focusing too much of their portfolio on those 3D printing stocks because they rallied to these fantastic highs. And then, of course, you know, Bloodletting occurred, and these stocks fell, and and people were left with margin calls, or or unfortunately, many people had had uh, had their accounts wiped out. And I worry that we're in a position right now where um, a lot of the the money that's going into these marijuana stocks is short term money, and that short term money is is um, is significantly at risk. Um, and and I just would caution everybody and and people on this, who've listened to the show to me talk in the past. Um, I've got a lot of gray hair. I've I've seen a lot of market ups and downs. And, you know, diversify, diversify, diversify. I think there's a long-term growth here, st- growth story here. But I certainly wouldn't be going out and investing any more than 10% of my money in, uh, in the industry overall. And I certainly wouldn't be investing more than 3% of my money in any in- one individual stock.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, Todd, I have to agree with you uh, completely on that. Uh, the business itself, Looks really solid. Like I said, we're still in the early innings of the marijuana industry. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see what happens, particularly once Canada legalizes adult use uh, and recreational marijuana coming up October the 17th. Um, I'll be really curious to see what happens there in Canada, because it'll be a really important read-through for the U.S. markets if and when that ever happens. But I'd have to say first, Tilray, very solid business. I think more than anything, though, and really the take-home message is, from a valuation perspective, the price of this stock has gotten so far detached from the reality and the fundamentals of the business that for your average, everyday, long-term investor, it really doesn't make much sense to have a large position of the stock in your portfolio, especially knowing, A, what's happened over the past few months, what we know is coming up in the next few months ahead. I think this is one of those situations where it is completely OK and really, honestly, better to just wait it out on the sidelines, because sometimes doing nothing and in investing is really doing everything. You're saving yourself not only a headache, but also tens of money in your portfolio. Um, also to Todd, one last question for the viewers out there. Um, do you think right now, with the volatility surrounding Tilray, that this is a good thing for the marijuana industry as a whole? Is this a bad thing? What are your thoughts on that, too?
1: I think awareness is good. I mean, imagine if somebody knocked on your door and told you that that to buy um, Budweiser in nineteen, you know, thirty whatever after Prohibition ended, right? I mean, so <laughs> awareness from an investor standpoint is, is a good thing. Um, it's not a good thing though if you go in. Without doing your due diligence, you have to look through and read these 10 Qs and compare the players and understand the market. Just don't go out because a stock happens to be up 10 or 20 or 30% or down 10 or 20 or 30% and buy uh, shares. Uh, That's way too risky. It's not foolish capital F investing. That's
0: it. You heard it here, straight from Todd Campbell. Don't go chasing stocks, especially not marijuana stocks like Tilray. And that's it for this bonus episode of Industry Focus Healthcare. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on.